Welcome to part two of Raising an Entrepreneur, an eight-part series on what we can do to make sure our young people are creative, passionate problem solvers. Entrepreneurs are unique. They embrace the chance to overcome obstacles, solve problems, make the world a better place, and dictate their lives on their own terms while they take on risk. These are their stories. My name is Aaron Stewart, and I have been researching and living entrepreneurship for the past 30 years. And I now welcome you to The Little Black Couch, a journey in entrepreneurship. Hello, and welcome to part two of Raising an Entrepreneur, the process of creating passionate problem solvers who hopefully choose to be entrepreneurs as they grow up, but not necessarily. If we can create happy, passionate, and problem-solving individuals, it doesn't matter where they end up. They will be of great help to whoever, who they, to whoever they, they work for, um, to whoever they raise, whoever they hang out with. Problem-solvers who are passionate and happy are great people to hang around. So as a quick recap of what we went through in our first part of the series, show number one, we went about how it is possible to develop talents. It goes back to this whole argument of nature and nurture. And with modern science and what we're learning about the brain, we can essentially become talented, air quotes, in just about anything that we find interesting, as long as we have the motivation the um, passion and the coaching to help us get through that process, to help us get to a point where we can um, get into deliberate practice and create neural pathways that make us super efficient at any given task. Okay, so today's show is really about what we need to do to prepare ourselves in this process and who we need to become in order to get the most out of our young people. And and that's sort of the, um, the whole uh, the, the whole purpose, again, of this program is, uh, it's two-part. Obviously, to give us the tools and, and help us frame and provide an opportunity for our young people to grow into really passionate, uh, happy problem solvers, but also to give us the tools that we need to make sure that we provide them with the atmosphere that they need, the freedom to fail, the opportunity to grow and, and be happy and find joy in that journey and learn how to make practice more of a noun instead of a verb. We don't want them to look at practice as, as, as anything other than a super positive pathway to mastery, a, a positive pathway to becoming talented at something that they're interested in. And we want to definitely instill in them this concept that they can become very talented in what they're passionate in and that they can develop whatever they need to do. It's very easy for us as, as, um, as mentors and coaches and adults to try to pigeonhole our young people into certain aspects based on what we believe their talents to be. And we're learning more and more from science that these talents can be whatever they want them to be. And so for us, it's really important to give them the place, the playground, to become exactly what they want to become. Okay, so the first step in doing that for us is to make sure that they have the proper motivation to learn and to grow. And that is creating a safe, a safe space for them to try different things. So if they're digging in the dirt, we don't freak out that they're getting dirty. If they're um, trying to build a 
a spaceship and the spaceship would never fly in a million years. We don't say anything. If they're coloring outside the lines, we don't care. And it's okay if plants are purple and suns are brown. Okay, we let them just create and have fun and we are always very motivating and encouraging and helping them when they are exploring and doing something, we make sure that that becomes part of what we're focused on. We allow them the opportunity to grow and expand and try, especially when they're younger. We become super cheerleaders and we try to stay away from the, there's this, I don't know, somewhere along as adults, we start to believe that that we need to only allow and give um praise when they accomplish something. We need to stay away from that. We need to stay away from the negative side of whatever and and, and allow them to explore and have fun and develop. And a, kind of a funny little story that happened um, last night. My son came into uh, our room last night to kind of report on his day and report on what he's been doing. And, and he is a very free spirit and we love that about him. He and his friends have created what they call Meet Monday. So they all get together in the summertime and they start up the gas fireplace from from what I can understand outside in the backyard of one of the friend's house. And uh, they start this thing up and somehow or another they've manufactured some kind of a grill and they cook meat on a fire. Okay, so hopefully, and great, right? I mean, fire obviously is pretty dangerous. Uh, Our son came home. I almost used his name. I don't know if that's appropriate. But anyway, he came home last night. He has big, lovely eyelashes, apparently, as my wife says. I've never noticed. I'm sorry, son. um, But he had singed them um, off. And he was quite pleased with the fact that they weren't so so, uh, pretty, right? That they're more manly eyelashes now. And we kind of had a good laugh about it. But that's the thing is he was, it was his turn to light the fire. And he learned um, to uh, be more careful going forward, right? Maybe we need to get them a longer lighter, but he had the opportunity to explore and try those different things to cook meat and we just let them go, <clears throat> let them have fun with it. Um, but he, he mentioned that later on that night, they had gone to a shave ice place, which is a great summer activity as friends, to get a little dessert after their meat Monday, which is makes sense, right? After a whole bunch of meat, you need something sweet to keep it down. That makes perfect sense. And so they went and did that. And as they were sitting there, and this little shave ice place has a a bunch of little kind of tables where you can sit down and they've cut holes in the table so you can put your shave ice in there and it secures it and so you can eat it comfortably, I guess, which is kind of unique. But where the tables are set out wisely, they've just put out a bunch of peat gravel. It's literally in this sort of a kind of a dirt field uh, out across from uh, Brigham Young University. And uh, it's very easy to clean up that way, right? I mean, the gook just drops down into the peat gravel. Makes perfect sense to me. So they were sitting at this little table. They'd finished their shave ice and they'd thrown their stuff away. They're still just sitting there talking. It's a, it's a nice night. And they had decided that they were going to start flipping the peat gravel up through the little holes in the table and see if they could hit one another, right? As boys will do. Well, somewhere in the midst of all of this, there was a Uh, some folks sitting at a table next and they were very perturbed at these young boys having fun and so decided one of them who my son described as middle-aged which means probably younger than me but anyway he said um, probably a college student honestly (laughs) but uh, he said they were obviously on a date and she kind of said hey you guys need to knock that off and I thought how sad how sad I uh, I hope that she's um, not that way with her children 
I hope that she allows the her kids to explore and have fun. Now, I, I get that sometimes kids are boisterous and they can be a little bit annoying. And I, I actually uh, uh, said something at a restaurant recently to some kids behind me who were very loud. Um, just because I was trying to have a conversation with, I, I had no problem with them having fun, but it was just a little too loud and I was having a hard time talking to my own family. Right, so we want to have fun, but we don't want to make it so others can't enjoy. And I don't know how boisterous our boys had become, but I thought to myself, what a horrible thing to say to a child, hey, knock it off. Now, that goes, hey, if they're going to uh, do something uh, unsafe, um, obviously my son with the fire, we'd want to counsel him, hey, and we did. We said, hey, maybe we should get kind of a longer um, ignition device to start the fire so you don't have to singe and catch on fire, you know, next Meet Monday. And so we've discussed how we could rectify that issue. And that becomes a really good, we, they went out, they made this thing up, they were going. And when we noticed that there were some, maybe some issues with how they were doing it, we can then provide a little advice and wisdom and to kind of reframe the problem. And maybe they, we can come up with some better solutions. And that's a really cool way to interact with our kids, kids. So let's foster an environment where they're allowed to explore and have fun and solve their own problems. <clears throat> and then on top of that, as they get to be better at solving their own problems, let's make sure that we offer them the ability to solve our problems. And that becomes the next step. So we can say, hey, um, I have, and this is just something that comes to mind, we have, a, we have a, essentially a recycle bin, and we have a regular trash bin that we put out on the street, right, that gets picked up by the city um, every week. Um, but we don't do as good a job as we should at separating the recyclables from the trash. And the reason we don't do that is because the bin is down in the basement, and we don't have two trash cans set up at every place there's two tra- there's a trash can, right? So that, that's a problem, right? That's a problem in our home. It's a problem that bothers me a little bit. So I would then go to my children and say, hey, guys, this is the problem we have. We really should be doing a better job recycling. The reason we don't do it is because nobody wants to walk down three floors and put it into the recycle bin. So what do you guys think we should do about it? Now, it would be very easy for me to just go to Walmart and pick up a bunch of extra waste baskets and go set out two at every single location we have a trash can and say, you know, the blue ones recycle and the brown ones regular trash and do it that way. That would be an easy way for an adult to come and solve the problem. But why not present it to our children and give them the opportunity to come up with their own solution and then have the ability to, one, heap praise on them for taking the time to consider a solution for our family problem and really heap the encouragement on that and thank them for the effort. Definitely follow up with them and then whatever they come up with, thank them for the effort. Is it going to be an earth-shattering, brilliant idea? Maybe. Probably not, but maybe. And where it isn't such an earth-shattering idea, let's not say Ah, geez, knock it off. That's a terrible idea. Instead, let's say, you know what? I like that. I appreciate so much that you thought about it and obviously thought about it hard enough to come up with this solution. But and here, there's something that I probably should have shared with you, with you that I didn't. And this is really such a cool way to reframe the problem. So if they come with a solution that's oversimplistic, if they come up with a solution that doesn't necessarily work very well, and and it's obvious to you as to why, it's not necessarily obvious to our young children growing up, 
why that isn't a perfect solution. So now we need to go and reframe the problem and add more. Say, hey, you know what? I, I should have probably told you this too, that we also have to worry about this and reframe the problem and say, if I add that to it, does that change it? Yeah, I mean, they can say, yeah, okay, I can see, give them the opportunity to see how their solution now doesn't fit with the problem that has been redefined. And then say, hey, does that, can you come up with some more ideas now that I've given you more information on the, on the problem? And then send them away and see what they come back with. Now, yeah, is it going to take longer to come up with solutions to problems? Absolutely. But as we give our kids the ability to work on their problem-solving skills, they will develop these neural networks. And as we then reframe problems and allow them to get deeper into a problem and think about it more, they will thicken the myelin layer around this neural network of problem-solving, and they will become better and better at problem-solving. And, and when you end better at um, noticing problems. And that's an, the next step. When we're driving around and when we're working, if we have a problem that pops up, we need to be intentional and present enough to notice that and then present that problem to our children. One that comes to mind, whenever I get cut off, I usually let some sort of, um, I, I, I'm usually a little exasperated, but then I have to rethink in my mind, you know what, what if that person just heard that their kid was in a bike wreck or whatever, I have to reframe it quickly or I get upset. And when I'm upset, I'm not very creative, I'm not very patient. And so I have to quickly stop myself from going down those, those pathways and reframe what's going on, right? And um, so give our children the ability to do that. So say, you know what, guys, that guy just cut me off. And I'm, I'm feeling very upset right now. And I don't want to feel upset. What do you think? What are some of the things that I can do to not be upset? And let them then think about, okay, well, dad, um, what if you thought about our last trip to Disneyland? Or what if you thought about the last good golf shot you hit? Or what if you thought, and give them the opportunity to come back with some ideas on how to help solve my problem. And start pointing out other people's problems. A huge line when you're waiting to get into dinner. Why is the line so huge? What do you think? You, what do you guys think that they could do to make it so we don't have to sit out here for 30 minutes? And let them kind of mull over that. Or that guy, you know, their, their car is making a loud noise. What do you think is causing that? And what did they do to fix that? And start helping them push their, um, push their minds outward to other people and try to help them see and, and notice problems outside themselves and then ask them to start applying their problem-solving skills to those problems and see what they come up with. This, again, provides them the opportunity to work on their problem-solving skills. It develops that neural pathway. It thickens the myelin around that neural pathway, and they become more efficient at solving problems, okay? With the encouragement, as, as you see them making effort and, and looking at problems and coming up with ideas, and we encourage that, we, do never, we never go negative on the outcome of whatever they come up with. We are always just encouraging their thoughts and their actions, and we're trying to train them and hopefully retraining ourselves at the same time to really reward ourselves for taking any kind of action towards a solution, not waiting to celebrate just the solution. Okay. And that way we're developing a very well-adjusted, healthy child who is rewarding themselves and feeling rewarded from us and learning to reward themselves for effort, not for outcome, which is a huge part of all of this. And the last part, I know we're into this, what, 15 minutes. The last part of this 
part, the last part of this show is to help us understand that as we mentor and coach these young people, that there are really two types of coaching that we need to be aware of. We've touched on one of them pretty, we've actually touched on both. You've got this part of coaching that is all about motivation and encouragement and being positive and giving them a safe place to experiment and grow and try to solve problems and find their passion and do all that on their own. That is wonderful. Anybody can do that. Um, Anybody who is even slightly um, interested in a child and, and wants to be present can be a wonderful cheerleader and a positive influence by always encouraging effort and, and rewarding them with praise based on effort and avoiding any negativity, telling them to knock things off unless, unless their safety's at risk. Really avoiding any of that becomes a very positive, let's say, almost like a performance coach, right? An encouragement coach. And that's one part of it. And those, especially early on in our children, when they are trying to develop these problem-solving skills and find their passion and find happiness and, and, and how to be happy, that's where we hang out and that's where most of our coaches are. And then we have these super technical aspects to coaching where we now enable our child to go into a more deep and deliberate practice. And that's kind of what we were framing when they come back to us with their solutions and then we reframe the problem, making the problem a little bit more complex, which gives them the ability to realize their solution isn't necessarily the perfect fit, where they can go back and then work on their problem-solving skills. It's very easy to imagine this type of learning and say, let's say my wife. My wife is a concert flautist. She is uh, amazingly talented. Now, it didn't come naturally to her. She put in a lot of time and effort practicing. She was taken to Stanford to work with wonderful musical teachers and mentors and coaches. And she spent tons of time practicing. And she worked her way up to being a very talented flautist. Okay? She also, fortunately for those that she has taught in the past, is very nurturing and kind and encouraging. And she does an amazing job of encouraging these kids to allow them to practice and make mistakes without any sort of judgment and have fun with the noises that can be made with a flute, right? And as that, then when she notices that the passion has become something that's important to them and practice isn't something that's arduous, but it becomes fun and part of their life, we want practice to go from verb to noun, where it just becomes part of who they are. Practicing is something that they they take great enjoyment from and get great pleasure from um, as participating, but they see it more of a journey instead of just some sort of a little ritual that they have to do. Once she sees that passion develop and they start to practice, and then she has the technical expertise to say, and I don't know anything about playing the flute, but she can say, hey, you know, that third finger, how you're using that, if you you turn it a little bit, maybe try it like this, just try it and see how that feels, that might make you more efficient at hitting those notes. And then they have the ability to to, to sort of uh, drill down to very specific movements And that's where we see the myelin layer thickening and that becoming more of a talent. And so Carol becomes a very good example of a coach when it comes to to being playing a flute where she's very encouraging and she can foster and build up the passion. And then once the passion is there and the motivation becomes part of this little person's life, then she has the ability to help them with the technical side and turn them into masters of that talent to become talented flautists.
because she has the technical expertise as well. Okay. Now there are coaches that are very good at both. There are coaches that are very technical and not very good at the encouraging side. Um, we see those in some of the professional sports <laughs> where it's fortunate that the kids are passionate and get to a certain point because these coaches have no time to worry about whether you feel good about yourself or not. They just want to help you with the technical side. Fortunately, by that time, the child's grown to a point where they've got the passion. They want to be in, in this particular sport and they want the technical knowledge and they want the deep practice opportunities from this type of of coach that has that expertise, right? So those are the two types of coaching. And then we really have three types of coaches. We have the encouragement ones that are very good and not very technical and the skill that the child decides they, they find their passion in. We have the coaches that are very technical and really have no time to worry about the helping kids develop their passion. And then we have the types of coaches that do really rare and wonderful coaches that kind of can do both where they can encourage and lead them into a really cool activity. What kind of coach we are really depends on what the activity or the passion the child finds. We may find that, hey, they happen to, to love uh, golf. Well, I can help a child. I can help a child who loves golf. I've been through and I have become an expert in golf. And so I can help a child through that whole thing. I can develop the passion. I understand that process. I understand also how to be technically good. But if, if it's my child decides he wants to play the flute, I'm not the guy. I can encourage and be wonderful and help them find their passion and develop it. And once we see that they've got that passion and practice becomes a noun and something they, that's more of a pursuit for them, a lifestyle, then we can shift it to somebody like Carol, who's an expert in playing the flute, and she can help them on a technical side. But we can all help here in the early aspects of helping our children become problem solvers by, help, by encouraging that activity inside them. Hopefully that makes sense. That is the end of the second part of Raising Entrepreneurs. Thank you so much for joining me. Until next time, show three, we'll get more into the encouragement side of it. We're going to dive deep into the encouragement side of it and how we can develop as mentors, coaches, parents, and making sure we're doing absolutely everything we can to give them all they need to one day be those that change the world. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate it. If there's anything you heard today that you enjoyed, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or subscribe to this podcast so you can be alerted when the next episode is available. Until then, here's to all the entrepreneurs out there. Let's go get it done.